Hi, I'm Mathieu Rompré from the communication team at Blake's, and I'm here with my colleague, Peggy Moss. Hi, welcome to the Continuity Podcast. We've all been reading a lot about COVID-19 and have felt the impact on just about everything, from public health to politics to the complicated dynamics of working from home. So much to think about. On Continuity, we're narrowing the focus. We'll look at how Canadian businesses and their leaders are coping with the legal hurdles and driving forward in complicated times. And we'll talk to the lawyers helping them, wait for it, continue and succeed. But first, a cautionary note. This podcast does not constitute legal advice. You can call or email us for that. Second, in case you're wondering what you are getting yourself into, here's our commitment to you. We'll keep it practical. We'll stay business-focused, because that's what we know and what we do best. And we'll be candid, not alarmist. And here's your part. If we miss the mark, please let us know. Email or call us to remind us of the terms of this contract. So wash your hands, grab your ginger shooter, and pump up the volume. We are about to kick things off with our first topic of the Blake's Continuity Podcast. Employment and labor in the time of COVID-19. We're joined by Daryl Sukerman, a partner in our employment and labor group in Ontario. Daryl, I know you and the rest of the team have been really busy lately. Could you tell us uh, about some of the most common questions you get from employers? Sure, and thanks for having me join today. We have been seeing a wide range of issues as this has been a very fluid and unprecedented environment. I would say that the most notable issues have been, number one, whether to pay employees who have been unable to work due to COVID-19 related reasons, including those on self-quarantine. On that point, each case must be considered on its own facts, but generally, If the employee's absence has been at the request of the employer, for example, a request for self-quarantine mandated by the employer following a return from a trip abroad, then it's more likely the employer will be prepared to pay for such absence. Uh, Number two, uh, I would say occupational health and safety considerations has been a very big piece. Uh, And in this case, namely ensuring that the employer is taking all reasonable precautions in the circumstances for the protection of its workers. Being proactive and vigilant with health and safety will also put the employer in a good position in responding to any formal work refusals by employees. And third, and, and more recently, determining if a client falls within an essential service or essential workplace in Ontario so as to allow it to remain open during this period. On that point, in Ontario, under the Essential Workplace Declaration, teleworking and online commerce are certainly permitted at all times for all businesses. And the rest of the list that has been put forward by the Ontario government has generally been viewed as being quite broad. But there are, of course, clearly many businesses that may not remain open during this time. And we've been working with clients to assess this list for their particular set of circumstances. Daryl, when we're talking about those employers who have who have stayed open, what are the biggest concerns you're hearing from HR directors and others who are trying to figure out how to keep working in this environment? Yeah, so I'd, I'd say the, the biggest item that we're, we're dealing with and hearing about is on the occupational health and safety front, 
or certainly one of the biggest items would be on that front. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, employers should be taking all reasonable precautions in the circumstances for the protection of their workers. Now, this is codified as a general requirement in the Ontario Occupational Health and Safety Act and has really become a, a core guiding principle for employers to follow in the COVID-19 environment. In practice, this means increasing the frequency of sanitizing or cleaning workstations or high traffic areas, encouraging physical distancing between employees in the workplace, avoiding or significantly limiting in-person meetings, so moving to video conferences or telephone calls wherever possible, providing extra hand sanitizer stations and encouraging employees to use them frequently, putting up additional signage in the workplace, reminding people to wash hands, and signage or policies reminding employees to avoid attending work if they're experiencing any symptoms associated with COVID-19. And what's the big risk for employers on the working from home front? Well, this is a novel environment for many employers, and, and I think it is important for employers to continue to check in regularly with their employees who are working from home during this time, especially those employees who may not otherwise be used to or accustomed to working from home. And, and so that basically means making sure they remain engaged, uh, making sure they have proper contact information if they do have questions or concerns. So that might be their HR director or manager, uh, their supervisor, their, their, their manager. Uh, teleconferences or regular phone calls are also naturally a good way to check in. And it's also a good idea to remind employees that all company policies continue to apply even while working from home. And so this would include policies around, for example, confidentiality, non-disclosure, IT security. So we're, we're recommending that employers emphasize these points as necessary or as they see fit uh, to, to make that work from home environment flow properly and smoothly. Thank you, Daryl. Our clients across Canada face a range of issues, so we're going to talk to lawyers in a few different jurisdictions, starting with Alberta, where we'll talk with Birch Miller, and BC, where we'll be joined by Mike Howcroft. Birch, can we start with you? What are you hearing from clients in Alberta? Um, thanks, Peggy. So Daryl mentioned adhering to employer policies around confidentiality and IT security, and I just wanted to build on that. <clears throat> Remote working can introduce weaknesses as a result of employees connecting to networks via unsecured connections, using their own personal devices, or even having physical copies of com company information at home. And uh, what we've been doing is advising employers with respect to taking steps to ensure all remote connections are secure, ensuring antivirus and malware software are up to date, and reminding workers about best practices regarding remote working, such as using Wi-Fi networks and safeguarding sensitive information. Birch, thank you. Are you talking to clients about similar issues on the work from home and remote working front, Mike? I agree with Daryl and Birch that data security is one of the important issues with working from home. But I think there's also a practical component in that in addition to making sure your computer is secure, you need to make sure that your workplace uh, at home is secure as well. Uh, while you need to make sure that you don't get hacked, uh, you also need to make sure that, that you are conducting your work in a 
private space so that your family and people you live with aren't necessarily accessing confidential information. I also think it's important for employers to remember that the rules around hours of work and other employment standards issues continue to apply if you're working from home. So ensuring that you're monitoring employees and that they're not working excessive hours or otherwise contravening employment standards requirements is also something that employers need to consider when they're setting up a work-from-home arrangement. What are some of the concerns you're hearing from clients in Alberta? Um, In Alberta, the COVID situation has come during a time when many of our clients are also facing historical lows in oil prices. So in that regard, clients in the energy as well as other industries are asking about strategies to preserve the business while trying to limit negative consequences to their workers. Uh, So in that regard, a frequent question we've been asked is, how can temporary layoffs be coupled with government benefits to employees? Also, similar to Daryl in Ontario, we are speaking with clients about the Alberta government restrictions on workplaces. Just last week, on March 27th, the Alberta government required the closure of certain non-essential businesses and for other businesses implemented restrictions, such as limits on groupings of more than 15 people, social distancing of two meters, and enforcement of hygiene procedures and processes to ensure ill workers do not come to visit the workplace. These restrictions have generated a lot of discussion with our clients and will continue to do so. Mike, are you hearing issues similar to that in BC? Yes, Peggy. In British Columbia, we have two categories uh, of businesses. They're businesses that are being impacted directly by the COVID-19 crisis or either required to shut down or have seen a significant drop in business operations that have required looking at layoffs, wage reductions, or hours reductions to manage the financial impact of this crisis. For other clients, they're trying to manage either moving their employees from an office environment to working from home, or where they have ongoing operations, trying to keep those employees safe in the workplace and comply with the various occupational health and safety requirements uh, in light of the unique circumstances surrounding COVID-19. Okay, so what are, the, what are some of the concerns you're hearing uh, from HR directors and others who are trying to figure out how to work best in this environment? In addition to the points that I heard from Daryl, um, I would note one of the other points we're hearing from HR directors are concern for their employees, uh, concern with respect to stress and mental illness, Employees are, of course, dealing with childcare concerns, financial stressors, concern for their health, the health of their uh, family members, and general worry for the state of the world and the economy. These are worries they're not necessarily dealing with on a day-to-day basis before this pandemic. So these stressors can be exacerbated by an employee's radically changed work environment, working from home, or perhaps a different office environment. And HR directors are looking for ways to connect with their employees, communicate support resources, and offer accommodation where needed. Mike? Thanks, Peggy. One of the unique issues that I've seen arise uh, from human resources directors in British Columbia is that British Columbia, like Alberta, have quite strict privacy requirements. And many of my clients have been trying to manage those privacy requirements against the occupational health and safety issues with regards to keeping workers safe. Uh, For example, I've had many questions about what a client should do if an employee reports that they have tested positive for COVID-19, which would normally be employee personal information that should not be disclosed to coworkers. But in these unique circumstances, 
they may have to balance that privacy rights with the requirement to keep other employees safe. Thank you, Mike. And to wrap up this employment and labor episode of our continuity podcast, we are heading to La Belle Province to talk to Nathalie Bussière. She is a partner at Blake's in Quebec. Nathalie, what about clients in Quebec? Same concerns? We, we basically were faced with the same type of questions and issues. I may add that uh, we noticed certain additional concerns in the industrial sector, very likely because um, sometimes uh, the work organization is slightly different. People are closer together. So, for example, in terms of uh, requesting that employees uh, not come to work after a trip abroad, for example, uh, some clients were quite quick to react and also implement measures to ensure that people did not come to work. Um, so the interest to pay them to stay at home was greater, I think, because they wanted to avoid contamination in the workplace. Same thing with respect to the perceived risk by certain employees, um, the crisis developed right after the school break in Quebec. People know that a lot of people travel abroad during that period of time, so a lot of questions were raised by other employees concerned about the return to work of some of their colleagues that they knew had traveled abroad. So it actually triggered quite a strong reaction by employers who wanted to make sure that A, they were protecting their workforce, and B, that they ensured that their continued operations were not in jeopardy. Natalie, we've heard recently that community spread is more prevalent than contamination due to travel. Does this raise new concerns for your clients? Yes, and it brings me to speak a bit more about the health and safety concerns, because we discussed, of course, the what I would call the internal measures. So, for example, reminding employees to wash their hands, to keep a reasonable distance from their co-workers, um, and the other measures that we discussed, asking employees to stay at home if they have symptoms or if they have traveled abroad during the recommendation, recommended, I'm sorry, quarantine. Um, but some employees have expressed concerns regarding suppliers, visitors, um, the delivery of material or, or even basically envelopes, so whether or not they could be contaminated. So some clients have implemented measures to remind visitors to adopt certain measures in order to ensure that there was no contamination either by the physical persons or by whatever they were bringing into the workplace. So I think this came more to the forefront because of the fact that people now know that it's not only what I would call like a specific population that may spread the disease, but whoever was in contact with the disease who can be anybody now. So one other thing that I would like to mention is the evolution of priority services in Quebec. Uh, as my colleague mentioned, in some provinces, including Ontario, the government has enacted a list of enterprises that are authorized to continue their operation despite the current situation. In Quebec, the government has done this, and this list is updated on a regular basis. So uh, we recommend, of course, that clients keep themselves informed as to the rest and development. The idea, of course, is to ensure that what I would call like society can still function and that primary services are given to the population. What we've seen as well is that, of course, because employees in those industries are called upon to continue working, uh, those industries are quite sensitive to the, the employers taking measures to make sure that they can still continue to operate safely for the employees. 
to, of course, avoid contamination, but also to ensure that people will keep on, the employees, I should say, will keep on coming to work and feel like they are safe in their environment. Uh, as Daryl mentioned, it is a positive obligation imposed on employer to make sure that their workforce is not put into a, a work environment that is unhealthy or that can create risks for their health and safety. Thank you. Merci, Nathalie. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of this podcast. Over the next few weeks, our topics will include issues impacting a wide range of sectors and industries. Please check out the Blake's COVID Resource Center for updates and let your friends know where to find us. All of us at Blake's wish you and your loved ones good health. Until next time, be well and stay safe. <laughs>